Welcome to In the Filmverse. My name is Bryce Payne. I'm Mr. Chandler. And today we're going to be discussing some big Oscar news as the Oscar nominees came out. And Malcolm X, directed by Spike Lee, starring the one and only Denzel Washington. Denzel! Amazing. He's a great, great actor. See how we switch this up this time? I'm doing the <laughs> intro. Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> so, let's just kick this off with, have you seen uh, anything good this week? Um, This week... Um... Now, now, keep in mind, we are recording this on February 4th. So... Yes, we, well, we we have seen some good movies this weekend. We have. Um, we saw. Do we see good movies? We saw eighty for Brady and Knock at the Cabin. Um, <laughs> Both are fantastic. Five stars. Five five star films. Yeah, <laughs> no, go, go out and see eighty for Brady immediately. <laughs> immediately, you need to watch that one. So good. So uh, I, t- I take it. I take it. Eighty for Brady wasn't your thing. Uh, it was. It was okay. Like it's definitely cringe comedy. I would say that, yeah. I mean, it, for for people wondering, eighty for Brady is about four old ladies who decide to go to the Super Bowl to support the one and only Tom Brady, and uh, it is the most ego filled movie from Tom Brady. Tom Brady, I ever think I could watch. Like there, there's a scene at the very beginning. They're doing like the title cards. And it says produced by Tom Brady, and I laughed so hard. Yeah, I saw it too, <laughs> and I'm like, why are we producing it? It's filmed by Tom Brady. I was like. 80 for Brady, produced by Tom Brady. Who could have figured that out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's a movie that is fun to watch, but not something that is going to blow you away. It has yeah, some decent moments. I We also watched it in a theater full of, like, senior citizens, and it was it was a trip. I enjoyed that. <laughs> the mom looks over to this. Like, I'm not a senior citizen. I'm 30. <laughs> Why is there a mom out there? Because everyone I, mean, I saw I was gray-haired. I'm, like, I'm just making something up. I just thought people people were clapping at weird scenes. Like there was a they had the football scenes in the movie, and somebody started clapping when they made a touchdown, and I was like, "Damn, what?" <laughs> like, wait a minute. Okay, football. But eighty for Brady's a fun movie. Definitely worth like an afternoon trip to the theater. But uh, the big one that came out in Shyamalan's new Knock at the Cabin. Knock at the Cabin. I really liked it. I know that we're pretty close on our opinions. I think it just. And Matt Shyamalan hasn't impressed me since Split, so I was kind of... I, yeah. I enjoyed this a lot. I had fun with it. I think um, that ultimately the ending was a little disappointing. I think that it didn't really have an M. Night Shyamalan twist that I ever I, was expecting. I love that you and Jada are just like so mad that there was like there, the twist wasn't really a twist. And I was like, there was no I twist. don't know. I like the ending. I don't know why it has to have a twist, but maybe that's just his brand. And I just don't watch his movies enough to really get it. I mean, ultimately, I'm, I wasn't even like waiting for just a twist, but something that made the film elevate it beyond its material because it never delved like it, it wanted to be a kidnapping story, but also a apocalyptic thriller. But like it never delves too much into either one until like the end, and you're like, okay, so that's what I'm. You know, you you, you get to the end, and you're like, that's what that's what you're left with, and you're like a little disappointed. Agree, disagree, but you know, I I enjoyed it. I it's not normally my cup of tea. I thought the I thought the story was decent. There was the one thing I would say is that I got a little sick. There's like this running thing where uh, I think his name is Andrew, like the 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 buff one. And he was just gonna be like, "This is a hate crime," and I was like, "Kind of <laughs> hate that," and not because it's like it's not an important thing to show, but just because it's like, why do we have to focus on like that as a what's the word driving force in the movie when it's just like they get there, they're like, "Oh, wow, you're gay," didn't expect that, and then move on, mm-hmm. <laughs> versus them being like, "It's so weird that you guys are gay." I I think part of it was, I mean. Yeah, I think part of it was like that one guy did kind of uh, the yeah, one. The, well, the I don't one, want to spoil too much, but there, there was there a lot... was that their one plot line which kind of connected exactly. But it, it just like throughout the entire film, it was just kept being brought up, and I was just like, okay, I get it. Like we can move past this. I wish we would have saw more of Rupert Grint. Hundred percent underutilized. Sad. Sad but you know, the more I sit with it, the more I'm okay with that decision they made to make it a hate crime kind of film, like them thinking it's a hate crime. And it makes sense in today's society. I think I just would have liked it to focus more on the apocalyptic side. Yeah, and then I guess it never really focused on one or the other. Like it, it, it didn't delve too much into being kidnapping in the in the you know in the um, mind games. You have to go through that. Like, and then for someone to say you, not that they want to kill you, but that they you have to sacrifice your own family member. I, I feel like that should be like just like a raw guttural thing. It and should it, it should hit more, and I felt yeah, like it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> The decision was really easy to make. Yeah. It never felt like that was a consequence, really, you know? It just felt like them being like, you're crazy. And then them being like, 
are we? And then us being like, are they? And then part, <laughs> I think part of it was that, you know, you always had to constantly wonder if it was, if the apocalypse was real, which was part of the thrill of it. But it almost was like, I, I don't know, for some reason, I never doubted it was real or not. That was kind of, I mean, and, and whether or not we it is real, I mean, we don't know. So, I mean, you won't know that to watch the film, but... I remember when the trailer dropped, and we were talking about that whole, like, is the apocalypse actually happening? And I was just like, for some reason, I just feel like it'd be so funny if there, if it just wasn't happening. Yeah, I remember watching that, the yeah. movie being like, oh, it's real, dang it. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, it, it'll... But that was, that's really the thrill of it, though, is, like, whether or not what they're seeing is real. I will say, for a movie with seven cast members, it's actually kind of impressive. Yeah, I mean, like, like it carries for that. It's not a bad film. Like, it's still enjoyable. Like, as far as the first two thirds, and really, I mean, it just the ending get... just lackluster for you. Yeah, and then really, and that was the part that was going to bring everything together, and it really just didn't. didn't just kind push of like it. ended. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, that was a that was the experience, I guess. Exactly. But you know, go check out Knock at the Cabin. It's actually a pretty decent movie as far as like early re- like year releases go. <laughs> it's it's uh it's up there for my ranking right now, so that's surprising. It's a positive in M Night Shyamalan's like cinematic repertoire. I don't think it's it's not it's not gonna be a detractor for people from moving forward, I'll just say that. It's a, it's a it's not like a you might love this, you might hate it. It's just gonna probably most people are just gonna be like, Yeah, it wasn't bad. Exactly. So, you know, mo- moving on from that, we uh we want to talk about the Oscars or Malcolm X next? We'll probably talk about Malcolm X here Malcolm first. Malcolm X, because I think the Oscars are going to take some time. Yeah, exactly. So we uh, we chose for the month of February. Now, last last month, if you listened, we uh, we did animation for January. We're doing these themes every month now. Mm-hmm. February, we are focusing on black-led or black history films for Black History Month. So we each chose two films, and Mitchell chose this first one, which is a, an amazing film, and I was so happy you chose it. Malcolm X, directed by Spike Lee. Oh, yes. Malcolm X um, is, I mean, I just I figure if we're going to kick off, uh, you know, Black History Month, there's no better way to do it with Malcolm X. Um, what what a way to start off the month. I know. <laughs> um, and Malcolm uh, definitely is something that I've started becoming more interested in over time. I mean, you know, you always hear about Martin Luther King and, you know, his contributions to um, social change, but you never really hear much about Malcolm he's just kind of like oh yeah then there was Malcolm um, at least you... when I was taught as, as growing up and then I started hearing a little bit more about him and his ideas and I'm like he's not all that wrong like and then like he's aggressive but he has every reason to be aggressive yeah and the more you learn about him the more you're like hmm yeah he has good points um and and honestly I I just watching this film um it just you know brought both Denzel, like his act, his acting, just to another level from what I've seen. I mean, obviously, he's a world class actor. You know, even today and every time, anytime he's in a movie, people talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Equalizer Three is coming out this year, and I always kind of discounted them as like campy action flicks. And then I looked at the rating, and I was like, oh wow, these are actually decent ratings. Like I did not expect that because it just seemed like a like camp action. And now I'm like. I need to look more into Denzel, apparently. Oh, yeah, definitely. Denzel is, has great, great films. Um, so so Malcolm X, mm-hmm. back, to, back to the movie. Right. The movie starts off showing him kind of like a hoodlum rat, kind of, you know, womanizing, right. partying, dressing in the fancy clothes or like straightening his hair. And it's, it's interesting because it's not what I would have expected from a man like Malcolm X, especially from things where I've seen uh, representations of him. Such as one night in Miami, right? It's just it's kind of like a whole different view on the man, and so I was kind of caught off guard about that, especially with the straightening the hair. I never knew that was a thing. Yeah, that was the first time that I I learned about it too. Um, and I, I have to say that that was something that I kind of started to to understand is why his story isn't as well told a lot of places. And maybe again, maybe it might have just been my school and how I was raised. Um, which was horribly wrong because I feel like I should have known more about that, more about this gentleman. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I just you know the, the, you start to realize that that this story, as far as like American history goes, and and if especially if like white people are writing books, it doesn't sound as um, exciting nice. or, or it yeah, nice. Or nice is a good word. Um, couldn't put a spin on it, you know. It's or not just, marketable. That's like marketable exactly. Um, with it, you know Martin with, Luther King. Yeah, because Martin Luther King's a pre or a pastor, and he's you know, nonviolence and protests. And, and Malcolm X was a lot more 
aggressive in what he did. Yeah, and, and where he comes from is a little bit of a darker past, too. And I, I enjoyed it a lot, though. Like, I think, like, what was it, the first third of the movie? Because this is, like, a three-hour-long movie. Mm-hmm. The first third shows him as a hoodlum and getting involved in, like, drugs and uh, selling drugs, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't, was it selling drugs? or was Because that was what he was doing with, with uh, time or, you know, betting. The, I thought it was, like, betting. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was doing the betting. So he was going and, like, collecting people's bets and, like, kind of shade things where they'd be like, oh, 65 cents kind of thing. And he'd collect the bets and make the bets for him. Yeah, so it was like they were staging, like, numbers. It's like the uh, illegal gambling. Yeah. And you know, there's one point where he's with the mob boss, who I can't remember the name of, because he's he's there in the beginning, Malcolm meets him later, and then he's kind of just disappears. But... He gets drunk, like messed up. I don't want to say drunk, but I'm pretty sure he did cocaine or something. It it makes me sound like I haven't watched the movie, but it's been like two weeks since I watched it. No, yeah. So he does this stuff and he makes a bet with the guy about, oh, you know, put me down for this, and then wins. But the guy doesn't remember it because he was so high, and so it becomes a huge ordeal with Malcolm being basically called a liar and attacked that. Comes full circle later when he comes out of jail. Yeah, I remember. I remember that scene. I, I don't remember him being high or drunk. But maybe that was just. Me. I think. I think the guy was doing like cocaine, like with the dollar, just, oh. and then get like making the bet with Malcolm. Well, yeah, because all, all I know is he comes. He comes up, and then he thinks Malcolm, like you know, was, was trying lied. to screw over him and lied because they all keep, they keep the numbers up in their head. Yeah, and he's then, like, I've never forgotten a number, and Malcolm, like you know, as the viewer, Malcolm had that number, even though it was, I want to say official. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. So that was interesting to see, which which ultimately ended up leading him to get going into jail, right? Yes. Yeah. And then we uh, we get to jail. Now, this is the turning point, the jail. He gets to jail, and he's still trying to conk his hair and still trying to play that, like, suave cat kind of guy. And he meets a man. I cannot remember this man's name. But he meets this guy who basically looks at him and goes, why would you do that? Who do you think you are? And kind of preaching at Malcolm X and introduces Malcolm to um, Muslims. Yeah. Islam. Islam, yeah. And kind of converts him and starts teaching him the ways. And Malcolm kind of slowly embraces it and eventually comes full circle and decides like, hey, I'm going to do this. This is who I am now. My favorite part about that that entire scene or in collection of scenes is when he like sets him down with a dictionary and he's pointing out like how it was written by a white man and how the the, the, the dark says like a certain thing compared to what the white says. And you got to think about what they like, how they compare to each other, how the words compare to each other, and who wrote it and why they described it the way they did. Oh no! My favorite scene in there in the prison segment was when he was in the church, like he had the pastor doing the sermon, and Malcolm starts asking him like, "Why would you say that's a white guy?" Was he not like from the Middle East? And he starts like questioning everything the guy's telling. The guys are like, "It's just how it is. It's 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 always been that way. We don't know." <laughs> and he's just like, "Exactly, you don't know." And I was like, "Ah, oh, man, that's cold." And I love that because it really brings into like question what's taught, what what is what you go through, what is taught to you by people older, and how that can be misle- misleading over time. Yeah. Now generations could say something, and then that's that alteration is, of history too. It's the truth, but it's not the truth. Exactly. So Malcolm gets out of jail. Eventually, eventually gets out of jail. He starts preaching on the streets, kind of trying to convert people out of churches, and basically saying like, "Hey, you know, you come out here hoping to see heaven, but you're still right here," and trying to get people to come to to um, Islam. And it's very interesting to me seeing his relationship with Muhammad mm-hmm. and, and how. Um, Muhammad, at least I could tell, I was like, something's off about this guy. Like, I don't fully trust him, but then seeing Malcolm go fully into it and being like, okay. I'd die for him and all that, yeah. Yeah, and all I could think about was like, that is crazy. I know. Like, I know that's how people do with, like, followers, like like, uh, Martin Luther King, for example. People would be like, if I could say that, man, I would. True. But it's crazy to think someone would, like, do that for someone else, I guess, in today's age. Because I just can't see a lot of people being willing to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's treated more him almost like he was a deity himself, right? Yeah, it's like a um, reincarnation of, I don't want to say God, but like he's like a very powerful figure. Yeah, that's a, that's a deity. Basically what I, I 
Buddha picture, you know, he pictures them as is something that's a connection to something greater. But what the in the when they were in the um, streets and he when he was preaching, there was a certain scene that like really hit home for me was when um, you saw he was just kind of the out there preaching to everybody and nobody was really listening to him, you know, because he just he was just kind of like rambling out, you know, and nobody was like listening and because he was on the on the ladder and then he sees a, a a black woman with with another like white lady. I think there was like they're together. like they're they're trying to hire them. So yeah, all right. Yeah, so the the ladies there trying to explain how the housework does and what she would have to do, and Malcolm walks up to her. Yeah, he walks up to her and basically just says, "You can do anything you want." He's like, "He's like, come on down to the church, you know, to the church, and let's talk. You know, you don't need to do this. You don't need to work for a white woman." And I thought that was really that was really cool. It's okay now. Obviously, we are white guys, so <laughs> it's just interesting to me because obviously I've been uh, I've been on a movie binge for black history yeah and watching the documentaries about people coming together during the civil rights movement Mm -hmm. and like you get entire meetings of the black community coming together and they're so passionate about what they're talking about and they're so full of purpose and their community and it's a it's a form of unity you don't see a lot anymore right and i don't know if it's because of technology and like oh we can get on facebook and talk to each other that way but it just doesn't feel like the same kind of care is put into things as it was back then. Cause I, it's just a very powerful thing to hear these people come together in these like meeting rooms or churches and giant groups of people. And they're all supporting each other and their communities. It's a beautiful thing. And that's kind of what this film kind of showed is like, they're, they're coming together. They're finding something that they have in common band together to become something bigger than themselves. Yeah, it just has to be a shitty that has to do with the color of their skin because it's <laughs> fucked up. Like, it it is. It's it's a terrible thing, but I think it. I don't know. It's it's just a powerful. But see, I think it, part of it is seeing seeing people come together, uh, our humanity come together for um, standing up for what's right. Which, I mean, we see, but it's not. It just doesn't. It doesn't feel the same as it did, and I think it might have to do with technologies advancing. Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see that. Because, uh, for instance, community coming together, I uh, a brother gets put in the hospital, gets being up, put in the hospital, and you get this march of Malcolm X and his followers as they yeah. walk down the streets. And, of course, you know, watching the movie, you start seeing these other passerbys. They don't know what's happening, and they just start following with them. Right. Because there's such a purpose to what they're doing, and they, they you know, people are like, yo, we got to go with them. They know what they're doing. And you get this like protest outside this hospital and it's such a, or goes to prison to get the prisoner out. And there's like the, they're all lined up and he's like, look outside. You get all these guys in there in unity. You just look up. I was, that was scary. <laughs> I was like, yo, that's terrifying. Like it's cool. It's a badass, but like just being a, imagine being a cop looking outside and just seeing like a mini army almost like, I know. I'd be like, uh, yeah, get that guy out of here. <laughs> and then they take him to the hospital and then you get this protest, this group of people. And they're like, we're not leaving until we know he's okay. And that's just something I don't feel like we see a lot today. We don't see that kind of unity for stuff. No, you get the people uh, online. They're like, we care. Heart. And heart. So it's like, uh, it's not the same. My thoughts and prayers. <laughs> I get, no, I mean, you're, you're it, right. It I makes just... me wish for simpler times. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you got you, you got a point there. Um, as far as just like taking action is definitely not as um something people don't do as much. It's as is easy to say you care from behind a screen. It's totally different to go out and do something. Right. But I uh, no, I found those scenes where they're he's preaching and he has his community and he starts getting a following. And I found that to be very powerful. Then we get into the civil rights movement stuff, where you see him talking to people. And you start getting the pic- the full picture of why he's not talked as much as Martin Luther King. Because Martin Luther King was very much about unity with everybody. He's like, you know, we will take the whites, we'll take the blacks, we'll take the... You know, he's like, we are all in it together. Meanwhile, See, Malcolm X is very much like the scene where the... From the mind scene that I laughed at, the white lady comes up. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I'm not racist. What can I do to help? And he's like, Nothing. Exactly. You know, I was doing a little, and and obviously throughout the course of the film, he starts to realize that that's not the right way to act, and that unity is the only way towards towards salvation. And I think part of that comes from, or not salvation, but just you know, for, for Move, racism, moving moving forward, on, and yeah, for racism to be less of a 
horrible thing that happens. Um, I, I think that was, you know, as he falls from the the Muslim um, religion, and then and it's like the the fallout after he realizes Muhammad and everybody's like taking all the money exactly not actually caring what they're doing just using it to get rich and then he goes over to egypt and goes on a spiritual journey oh my god the spiritual journey is so good and this is um if i read online right only the second movie to be filmed in mecca that's not a documentary yeah i think so exactly and i think this was the first time it's that that alone is beautiful they weren't gonna give him the or sorry, they weren't going to give Spike Lee the money for it um, or anything like that. So Spike Lee had to come up with the money by himself. And I think, like, <clears throat> I'll have to double check exactly who it was, but I know Michael Jordan, I think Michael Jordan and, like, Oprah, they helped pay for some of the film. It's, it's the, the scene where he's in Mecca is beautiful. You start seeing him band with the people. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they got all kinds of Muslims. And he realizes that, like, the nation of Islam is very not as like isn't as unity as it should be right and it's very much more just like i don't want to say segregated but essentially yeah he realizes that islam is bigger than just them right that makes sense it's beautiful he's like sitting there praying with other people and they're all different skin colors and he starts feeling a sense of like belonging Mm -hmm. it's stuff like that that makes me realize how beautiful religion can be yeah, yeah. I mean, all the the power it can give people. Exactly. Yeah, that's ultimately what it was. I mean, and I think, well, not to get into like a super long thing of religion, <laughs> but, but yeah, that that, make, that makes sense. And then you get, um, obviously, we start touching into him coming back, separating from the nation of Islam, and becoming more of his end goal. And then you know, of course, of course, the movie has to end with his assassination. You know, it's coming. Oof, yeah. And it's still as heartbreaking as it as it is, and just especially when he's right in, right in front of his family too. That's just it's just it's it's there's no words for it. It's like on on stage, on stage, right? His family in the first the front row. It, it's just and it's brutal. It's they don't they don't shed away. Spike Lee chooses to show everything. He doesn't want to hide it all. He's like, this is what happened. This is the brutality of the situation do better yeah i mean that's what one of the things that spike lee is you know always always pretty much drives home is to do better spike lee is a very i love spike lee he is not scared to say what he what he thinks you mean you get things like um do the right thing defy bloods bamboozled uh black landsman everything he has a he has something he wants to say and he doesn't shy away from it right and he's never been the kind of guy to be like this is how I feel. I'm not going to do it. like what what the movie show is how he feels about the situation and I respect that. Yeah. Cuz it's not always what I agree with, but I respect that he's able to put his feelings and his emotions about the subject on screen. Yeah, and with, do it so well. And with no care about what people think. Yeah. He meant he'll be like you don't have to agree but this is the way it is. Exactly. And I he's a great director. And he has his little uh cameo in this as the friend. I forget his name. He gets arrested with Malcolm at Spike Lee. Oh, right. And every time he was on screen, I was like, there's the guy. <laughs> there's the guy. Also, he is, he does not look like he's that old. Well, he was, this was 1990 something. So a long time ago. So. But he was like 30. And he, you said he didn't like that old? No, he looked like he was like 19. And I oh. just, the guy just can't age. Even today, you look at a photo of him now, if he didn't have gray hair, you would not know that he's in his 60s. Wow, he got he got that uh, eternal youth, the Hollywood's it, eternal youth. Well, it's like um, do the right thing, which we talked about in the past season. Yeah, he's the main character of that, and he was like twenty seven or something like that. Like he was not a young man. Like he's a young man, but he wasn't like the age he was supposed to be playing. Because he's just for yourself. I'm twenty six now. You're not in a few months, old man. <laughs> but no, Spike Spike Lee is fantastic, and I love every film I've seen him do, except for. Uh, Nope, every film. I've only seen five of them. I'm working on it. There's a lot where I'm just like, I did not know that was a thing. Awesome. But uh, yeah, no, it's a Malcolm X is a great movie. I think everyone should check it out. It's incredibly important, and it has Angela Bassett in it, and she has gotten nominated for Best Supporting Actress, right? It did exactly, and that's a good segue <laughs> um, into the Oscar nominations. <laughs> um, we want to talk about um, 2023 Oscar noms. 
Uh, just basically run down as many of the categories as we can. Uh, just kind of talk about our thoughts. We're not going to repeat all of the every single yeah, no, thing. We're not going to be like nominated. nominated for trying for best short film. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, we just kind of wanted to just give our, our first impressions on it. I will say um, two things that I just am baffled by is how Dan- Danielle Deadweiler for Till and um viola davis for the woman king didn't know yeah no completely snubs like like honestly i thought they should have like i thought daniel deadline would have won as soon as till came out i was like this is gonna get some kind of oscar nomination and it didn't like the woman king i, I kind of understand i understand the woman king but till just doesn't it feels wrong it, it does it's such a powerful film there, and there's no and... that, that actress did a phenomenal job there's there, there's i've never seen Honestly, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm catching myself, but I think I've never seen a better act, like acting job. And she captures that emotion perfectly. Anyway, so moving on. So we got ten nominees for Best Picture. Now we have uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, which is a German-made film. Okay, and I don't know how Avatar gets in here, but Batman doesn't. <laughs> we'll get into that. <laughs> so okay, so the nominee for Best Picture, All Quiet on the Western Front, which is a German film, the only uh, international language film. International, sorry, just international film, international feature film. The only yeah. international feature film in the Best Picture noms, which I knew it was going to get, and I'm so happy it got. Honestly, I keep forgetting that it is because it's just so good. It's such a good movie, dude. And then, like, I, I was one of my most anticipated films of last year. So when it was like nominated for Best Picture, I was like, yeah, you know it is. <laughs> and then uh, moving on, this is no surprise to a lot of people. I mean, and apparently to Mitchell, Avatar: The Way of Water, directed by James Cameron. The 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 highly anticipated follow up to the highest grossing film of all time. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I just like I get it. Like the I don't know. I get the production stuff. It's and well, I don't know. It's a good film, but I, I just I don't best, I don't know. Like that's hard. Just doesn't work for me. Best Picture stretching it. Like I don't know. I wouldn't say like that's. I feel like Batman's a better film than this. I mean, it, you probably wouldn't agree with it, me, but it just feels like it got put in here because Cameron's name and that it's Avatar. Like it, it's, it's visually beautiful, especially in three D, but as a best picture, I just don't see it winning. Yeah, I mean, if we start looking, if we start talking, I mean, it's winning hell no. But I'm just looking <laughs> into the the script itself. Like the script is very weak. Like you have it, you have old characters returning and as you know, like some sci fi clones. You also have um, you do have some new characters, which is nice. But then you also have just like things that really sh- once you start breaking down the script, it doesn't make sense. But it also doesn't matter when you're watching the film, and I think that's ultimately it's it's fun. Do you plan on rewatching it at home? Uh, no. See, I just, okay, I, so that's a that's the thing I thought about. I was, I was like, I gave it a high rating from theater, but I don't think at home it would get anything higher than a three. I just don't like Avatar that much. Like, I like I like the experience of watching the film, but like just overall, like I it just it's not a story that I'm gonna be like, I'm like thrilled about going back to you know. So, uh, Avatar, you don't think it should be there? No, I would put Batman. <laughs> I really would. All right, then now, uh, this year's weird for you for Best Picture nominees, isn't it? Like, I just looked at the next one, I was like, oh. <laughs> All right, so next up we have The Banshees of Inisherin, directed by Graham. Is that directed by Graham? Yeah, Graham Broadbent. Is the Banshees the of Inisherin. Um, <clears throat> I think he's a producer. I don't actually know who directed Banshees. Now I feel stupid if he. <laughs> Uh, he's a producer. Um, Martin McDonough. Martin McDonough. Why wouldn't it? Oh, he's at the bottom. Why would he be below producers? That's weird. Okay, whatever. Banshees of Inisherin, directed by Martin McDonough, starring Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. This is a film that I understand why I got nominated. Me but too. it's also a film that had to grow on me for like a month and a half. Because I remember we watched this and afterwards we were both just kind of like, eh. I still say eh. I know, but then I sat there and I spent a month going, why does this film keep getting on my mind? Why do I keep thinking about this movie? It shouldn't be. I shouldn't be on my mind this much. And I was just like, it gradually went from three and a half to five stars. I don't understand how, but <laughs> I guess like I understand people liking it. I just don't. I mean, it's it's it's, it's just something that it sat with me, and it just I realized I was like, no, I really like that movie. But, but there's more movies like that coming on this list, bud. Anyway, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson got nominated for best oh, actor yeah. and best supporting actor, respectively. Yeah, I mean, I see this. Also, it's kind of unfair that Brent. Which one got not? not uh... Brendan Gleeson was the one that got best supporting. 
Yeah, I'm barely. Barely some best supporting. Like, honestly, it probably should be a lead because it basically is in the film the whole time. Yeah, but Colin Farrell's the lead. Yeah, you're right. Even though I've seen things get nominated where they're like best actor and best actor, but they're both like one's obviously like the lead and the other one's a supporting, and they're just like, well, they're both best actors. And like, once we get to the best supporting actor, there is something I want to say. Like, I think Brendan Gleeson would have won. Or oh would, yeah, no, we'll, we'll get there. Trust me, yeah. he he don't but have I, a chance, and we know why. <laughs> I, think, I think this is a better story there. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Best Actor, Colin Farrell, I don't think he has it. I, I mean, he's good, but I just don't see him getting Best Actor. Um, I'm not, Who else is in Best Actor? Honestly, the top of my head, I do not know. I don't even know where it is. Like, on here, but no more than that. Uh, actor. Austin Butler for Elvis. Yeah, Colin Farrell, Brendan, Brendan Fraser, Fraser, The Whale, Paul Muscal, After Sun, and Bill Nighy. Living. Nighy. I don't know how to say uh, it. <laughs> it's a hard one. That one's. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pushing for Brendan Fraser, but I think he I think he did the best out of everybody. I think, I think it's a world class performance. If it was just me, I just want his speech. You know, if he wins an Oscar, it's going to be like an emotional speech. Well, he had multiple speeches that worked so well. And I know well. so far, and I'm just like, if he wins Best Actor, like you know that Brendan Fraser is going to be like full tears, and I'm just, I'm going to be I'm going to be crying too. It's going to be it's going to be a disaster. Anyway, mo- moving on. Um, next up is actually kind of a surprise for me. I know a lot of people were expecting it. Elvis, directed by Baz. Lerman. Baz Lerman. I still don't know how this got nominated. I, I, or I don't know how it gets any awards, to be honest with you. I like Elvis. When I watched Elvis, I was just like, I thought it was too long. I thought it was over-edited. <laughs> and I thought that Austin Butler was okay in it. But honestly, at the end of the day, I thought it was like lower tier um, It surprised musical. me like, how long it stayed in people's minds. Like It's a, it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. I gave it four stars. I but I gave it like three or three and a half. It's it's one of those things where it's just like I like the music from Elvis enough that I kind of like every time he performed I was like oh yeah this is a good song this is a good song this is a good song but I don't know like it's weird to me that this guy nominated for best actor or not yeah best actor best picture all this stuff and Bill's not in there or but Tom Hanks got nominated for a Razzie yeah but you know those <laughs> so are always kind of it's you know? I know, but it's just I kind of liked. Those... I also liked his performance. Oh, I thought film. he was good. I thought I think Tom Hanks played a fantastic villain, but it's just weird in my mind that like Best Picture, Best Actor, Razzie, and I'm just like, <laughs> that doesn't add up. It doesn't. No. <laughs> but uh, Elvis, I liked it, and I don't think it. I don't think it wins. I don't think there's a chance. But it, no. it's nice to see it's nominated. I guess. Then next up, we have Everything Everywhere All at Once, directed by. Oh my God. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Schneider. Now you know once you start looking at uh, yeah Daniel Kwan Daniel Schneider yeah once you start looking at people's names that you never pronounce and you're just like, like maybe <laughs> I should have pronounced them before I did like, I should have practiced oh my god just completely <laughs> caught me off guard but everything everywhere it was it has been a phenomenon I've still only seen it once I I watched it twice and each time I had a lot of fun but to see how much it blew up online kind of amazed me it felt like one of those movies that you'd watch and you'd be like wow that was really good and you talk about it for a couple months and then it'd fade away but it's still going strong online it's gonna be gone it's gonna be going on forever it's, i don't know it's the I, concept of the multiverse dude you just can't, can't the multiverse can't over is cool. it i love multiverse <laughs> i love multiverse when they do right but cool. now this is what i think will probably win best picture i think everything everywhere but the reasoning is yeah, you gotta think about these performances you got michelle yo i think she'll win best actress I think she's fantastic. You got, man, I'm gonna butcher this guy's name, and I love, I, I love him. You got best supporting actor for Kehu Kwan. Uh, Kehu Kehu Kwan, my God, I really should have practiced. Oh yeah, Kehu Kehu Kwan. Who Kwan? I love as short round. So when I saw him, I was like, it's my guy. <laughs> and I'm just gonna say. Um, Brian Tyree Henry from Causeway, Judd Hirsch from The Fablemans, and Barry Keegan from Banshees, and along with Brendan Gleeson, you don't have a chance. Like, no, I think Brendan Gleeson has a chance. He has a chance, but I don't see him beating okay. Kehu Kwan. Uh, like it's it's <sighs> okay. See, the thing is, is we have. To, I mean, I know we all it's based on performance alone, right? But you also have to think about people put stories, and you know, I feel like you know when you, when you hear a story, you're like, oh fuck, that's right, you know. So. I want to say that with um you know that uh Kei Kwan having being this Spielberg kid you know from Indiana Jones, 
and not have it, you know, but he basically thought he was done acting since then. And, and then, then, the, the, then these guys were like, want me in the movie? Yeah, they remembered <laughs> him, and then, he, you know, there was just like this really emotional thing he put out. Not saying that's going to influence that many people's votes, it, but... It, it, honestly, like, there was that one, that one thing where he, I think it was the Golden Globes, where he's like, these guys remembered me, and I was just like, I started crying, I started tearing up while watching this video, and I was like, damn, he's going with Best Supporting Actor. There's no, <laughs> there's no chance he doesn't, honestly. If it does, it's going to cause an up- uproar, and people are going to be pissed. If what? If he doesn't win Best Supporting Actor, people are going to be um, so mad. No, I feel like if... Oh, I don't know. I feel like Brendan Gleeson has a good chance because almost that was almost like a whole, like it was almost a full role, you know, like in a film. So that's why it's like, it's hard when you, when you judge the supporting roles versus these full roles that are set as, as their supporting roles. So, you know, they're supporting with quotation marks. Fair, fair. I just, I don't know. I'm still pulling for K. And then oh, uh, I agree. Yeah. moving on to another one of my favorite movies from last year, we got Steven Spielberg's love letter to cinema. The Fablemans. Movies are dreams. Movies are dreams. That we never I'm forget. So happy don't have to watch that trailer anymore. <laughs> now, this is a good movie, but it almost feels to me at least they got nominated for Best Picture simply because Spielberg's name's attached to it. I thought it was a really good film. It's a really good movie, but Seth Rogen making a surprise appearance. Seth Rogen in a dramatic role that he plays very well. I know. The story's amazing. I easily could have watched another three hours of this. Pineapple Express? But I don't know. It's one of those things where you get a director like Spielberg and you know that like he's a great director at what he's doing. But like James Cameron, it almost feels like they get nominated. as just a way of being like, we like you. Here's a role. Mm, I mean, I don't know. I feel like at the end of the day, they wouldn't have given it to him if it it wasn't that good. I I know. I just, just, I mean, I don't know. You really liked it. I really liked it. I I loved it, dude. I thought it was amazing. I wish it it was longer. I mean, I'm just thinking out of all the films that came out last year, I definitely would put it in, in, in the conversation for Brett's picture. I would put... I, I'm just, I think I'm just more upset because I'm just like, one of these has to go because I'm so mad the menu didn't... You know. Oh my gosh. I don't think the menu ended up anywhere in this. No. It? Yeah, and I don't I, think it, it was that good. It makes me so mad because I love the menu. The menu was good. If anything, I, I mean, the, if I could see the writing. My, my second favorite movie of the year and I didn't even get any Oscar nominations. <laughs> <laughs> what a shame. But no, I love the film, man. It's a fantastic film. Spielberg really like, you know, love letter to cinema. Speaking Beautiful. of, I mean, you got you got um, <laughs> a surprise cameo from David Lynch. In what? He's in the film, and he plays the director at the end that he meets. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it's David Lynch. Is either David Lynch or David Cronenberg? But I feel like it's. Yeah, I didn't know who that was. It's one of them. I all I kept thinking about was um, there's a director whose name is slipping me who wears an eye patch, and it's not John Ford. It was another guy, and I just kept thinking about that, and I was just like, I've seen a guy with an eye patch. <laughs> it was a Nick Fury. No, so um, our friend Nick was like, Oh my God, it's David, whatever his name, and I was just like, That was him. All right, cool. <laughs> but, you know, I'm pretty sure I, maybe it was Cronenberg. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's Cronenberg. Correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. I'm probably wrong. I'm not going to look it up right now. <laughs> uh, moving on, we got one that you're, I know you didn't like. No. We got not Tar, directed by Todd Field. I think it's directed by Todd Field. I yes. don't understand people yes, that like Yes, Todd Field. I know you don't, and I didn't like it either until I was writing my review. I was like sitting there, I was talking about how like, the, so in my review, I was talking about how the movie had its highs and its lows and you know, you get those bombastic, like, da-da-da, and he was like, go downhill into, like, a slow, meandering scene, and I was like, it plays, like, a symphonic melody, and it kind of just, like, <laughs> Nah. I don't I mean, see, the thing is, even if, even if it, like, it did do that, like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, it did, or it did, you know, it did do that, it, it didn't make the movie any better. Like, it, it's not it's good. Too, it's too, I think it's too slow. Yeah, I don't like slow films. I know, you don't. <laughs> Not at all. But Kate Blanchett, you think she has a chance of best actress over Michelle Yeoh? I don't I understand why, but yeah. <laughs> I don't understand this film like in the slightest. Like there's one scene in like the entire film that I liked. And then and then like the rest of it was just kind of like this slow meandering, like falling from grace that I just like I don't know, it just didn't work for me at all. It's, Pino- um, it's Pinocchio all over again. <laughs> it's worse than Pinocchio. I I don't understand. I understand people liking Pinocchio because you know that style just isn't for me. But this I don't understand at all. Like I don't understand why people like this. I was, um, I was actually kind of surprised with how much love it was getting online because at first I was like, "You guys are all crazy," and I'm like, "No, it's a good movie. I don't think I'd ever rewatch it again." 
but I, after I thought about it, I was like, no, it did what it was supposed to do. I think best best picture is kind of stretching. I but. think, well, okay, I, I do understand it from a certain sense. I think that the way I look at films is different than, than a lot of other people look at film. So when I see a film like this, I'm not looking for the same things that other people are looking for. I'm looking for fun and rewatchability. That is that is fair. Speaking of fun and watchability, we got Tom Cruise returning to the big screen and Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, I'm surprised. Like this is my favorite favorite film of last year, and I'm just still surprised that it's in here. Like I, I'm confused. I mean, I'm not confused. I mean, yeah, I am. I don't know. I don't get I'm it. Gonna, I'm gonna be straight up. Pop I like film. I, I like Top Gun Maverick, but it almost feels. And I'm gonna say, like, I know I'm saying, like, this just feels like a give me kind of thing. This movie ran in theaters for seven months. Yeah. They normal normal time well, was basically. three months, and it was still selling out shows seven months later. That is insane, and it almost feels like the, yeah. uh, like the Academy was just like, good job, Tom. Here's your nomination, <laughs> but we're not going to nominate you for Best Actor. No, 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 just Best Picture. It's just like, damn, how are you going to nominate this for Best Picture but not even get I, Tom Cruise a nod? I just feel, okay, here's the thing. When was the last time that a film – wasn't I mean and COVID aside, right? I mean, let's take that aside, but but been in been in theaters for seven months. Dude, it's crazy. Because even even when it came out on disc, they're like, yeah, just keep it in theaters. People go see it. Yeah, theaters. it's still it's still playing today. It, just, it is. I know it's because the Oscars. It is so good. But like, damn, bro, like, like I don't know. I mean, I, I, honestly, if Avatar: The Way of Water can get in there, Top Gun Maverick can too. And then, uh, here's the thing. So I love movies. We, yeah, we we've established that in this we podcast. This you know. <laughs> My dad has been to four movies with me in my entire life. Yo. And that is like Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. We got uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and Top Gun Maverick. Wow. So my dad, who hates movie theaters, braved a movie theater to go watch this movie. Respect. He he never goes. He was just like, I need to watch it. And I was like, I want to go to a movie theater? What? <laughs> <laughs> so I you know Top Gun Maverick making best picture. I get it. It just still feels to me like a give me, but it makes so much sense for what it did to cinema this year. It, it feels like such a culturally important film. Uh, this, okay. Also, like, if you look at Audrey, it from a technical aspect of how oh, very impressive, yeah, of how like the films like they were, it was shot and and you know people get, every time I like bring up Top Gun Maverick, you always go like, oh yeah, you got the good uh, of that nostalgia. Like people got that nostalgia for it, and I'm like, it doesn't play in theaters for seven months just because of nostalgia. Yeah, no, it's because it's a good movie. Yeah, I mean, I think well, and maybe it played on more nostalgia of I wouldn't even. It's more like you're still relevant. Like, I, and I think this was part of the the message of the film is that like not just people from back in the day that watched this original Top Gun, but like you right now, you're still relevant. Even if well, you're if and you're in a situation where everything's against you, like you're still relevant. You could you can accomplish something. And I think that was part of the message of it. It is so weird to me that Top Gun Maverick only has like four other nominations. Where like sound I think it'll it'll probably win well Batman's in there for sound. Original too, song it? screenplay, but it's just like I don't think it's going to be best picture, but you know, uh, the bat, uh, maybe I, I maybe, maybe we'll get surprised. And the academy is just like, no, Top Gun Maverick, and I'm just going to be like, what? <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, uh, and then we have uh, the next one. The which... next one, which is so funny. There's so many movies on this list that you and I are split about, and yeah. I think it is hilarious. This next one is my favorite comedy of the well, second favorite comedy of the year last year, Triangle of Sadness. Directed by Eric Hemendorf, right? I hate that it doesn't like. Why would you just say directed? Why do you uh, Ruben Ostland? Yeah, Ruben I don't Ostland. like how they do this. Why would you give me an article and just give me who produced it? Why wouldn't the director <laughs> get credit in this? It's so dumb. Yeah, I don't like Triangle of Sadness. I know you don't. I it is so funny. I think we talked about this already in January because we're doing our most disappointing films of the year, and you oh, talked yeah. about how much you didn't like it. But I laughed so much, and so I don't see it as best picture. I don't understand why it's in best picture. I like that it's in best picture. Oh, I still don't. Okay, honestly, this actually <laughs> this actually makes me a little upset. How the hell does this get in best picture, but Till doesn't? I, I, Till is such a like a powerful like just visceral experience. Like, there's no way this this doesn't end up in here at all anywhere. It feels <laughs> they're, so wrong. They're, they're like, no triangle of sadness. <laughs> it's just like a personal attack. <laughs> I know that's what it felt like to me. I I don't know. I enjoy the movie. It's coming to the Criterion Collection. 
criteria. All, all, I, all, I, look at <laughs> all I know is that this is not going to win any award. I mean, it's not going to win that award. That's for sure. Like, I just know. Like, I'm, I'm okay with it. Like, if you want to put it in there, because I don't quite understand I, it. I wish sure. that you could bet on the Oscars, because I'd just be like, $20 from Triangle Sadness. Just be like, what if? <laughs> what if? <laughs> no, there's no way. No, no, no. I just think it'd be funny. Okay, and then uh, I think you haven't seen this next one. Not yet, no. Oh, yeah. I guess Triangle of Sad. I'm not going to explain what it's about. No, I'm doing it. Women talking. And before I say, <laughs> Women talking is directed by Sarah Pauly. And this is a, uh, I don't, you haven't seen this one. and But uh, a group of, I want to call them Protestants, in like this colony are having to vote on whether to leave, fight, or do nothing when they find out that they've been uh, essayed by the men in the colony. Mm, right. I was trying to think of like a way to word that where it wouldn't just be like, they got. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. And um, so I will say, I get why this got nominated for Best Picture. It's an incredibly powerful film. I will also say that Francis McDormand is in it for like five minutes, and I hate that. <laughs> I love Francis McDormand. So, like, saw in the trailer, I was like, selling point. Francis McDormand. I know it. And then she's barely in it. I love how you're like, Francis McDormand, yes. I'm like, Francis McDormand, no thanks. <laughs> so, I mean, no, that's, that's, not, that's not fair to say. I just... Okay, well, here's something crazy. This is based on true events. I've only seen one film with her, so... I don't know. I, I, you can't see it if you're not watching the video on YouTube, but, like, my eyes just, like, blew up. I know, I, I saw like, that. Like, yeah. like, what? <laughs> no, Women Talking is a good film. I see why it's nominated. It's emotional, powerful. Go watch it in theaters. It's actually friend? playing in theaters now. I don't have, you don't have to drive two hours like I almost had to. Yeah, that's that's crazy. <laughs> what what the hell is Francis McDormand Elson? What's she in? Um, what she played in? I don't think I've seen her anything else besides the. That is crazy to me because she's in so many. Why the hell okay, wait, no, so she was in the the no, Denzel Washington. Okay, well, um, here's... Lady Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, right? She's I don't know. Like yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She plays that weird. Uh, Weird old lady that's like an owl. Okay, almost. so I've seen Nomadland and Lady Macbeth. But she is, uh, she's married to a Coen brother, so she's in that a ton sense. of Coen brother films. Oh, like, uh, I've never seen any of them. That's so weird. I'm like looking at this. I'm like Fargo. She's in Fargo. I know you haven't nope. seen that, but Fargo is a good movie. Uh, she's an almost famous. Did not know that. Something got to give. Didn't know that. Well, wow, she's in a lot of stuff. Madagascar three. Okay, Transformers: Dark of the Moon. What? Who's the MF film? I, I, someone named Charlotte Meering. I cannot tell you who that is, but okay, she's in the movie. <laughs> she's in Transformers. What the heck is Schmeggen? The Good Dinosaur. I didn't see that, but that's the anime. You haven't film. seen The Good Dinosaur? No, it doesn't count. It's the anime. It's a film. Pixar. You haven't seen The Good Dinosaur? No, but okay, because I heard it was like oddly violent. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> okay. Um, Isle of Dogs by Wes Anderson. The French Dispatch um, yeah, by 4%. Wes Anderson. I've seen four percent of her films. That's a shame, 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 shame. But yeah, so those are those are all the ten best picture nominees. I don't really know. Should we go into best actors? Because we've already talked about three of them. Um. Yeah. I really. I mean. Um, well, we can bring up. Um. So of course we got Austin Butler, Colin Farrell, Brendan Fraser. We've already discussed those. And you have Paul Mescal and After Sun. God, this one again. Yeah, we're not. I, I, I don't really I, want to touch on that. You but know, like, every time I get to um. Every time he's I'm... so happy to be nominated, though. Have you seen the pictures? Uh, no. He's so happy. He's so proud. Every time I get to the Oscars, there's always films that I'm just like, how? <laughs> no, not how. I mean, like I understand because, like again, I'm I'm not looking at this from like a artistic point of view. You know, like there's a different there's a different way of looking at films than what I do on a daily daily basis. And just you know, because I just want to like at the end of the day, be entertained by whatever I'm watching. Sure, sure. Um, and so when I see these films up there, I'm like, I get that. I, I'm not going to quite understand it because I'm not trying, I'm not even trying to look at it from that point of view and that I'm just going to fully admit that. Um, so, but that's why some of these, I'm just like, okay, I can see it. I have to kind of lean on other people that do look at it that way to understand. Oh, and no, listen I feel to that. Why, like you, you, like, you like doing research, like watch people's videos. They're like, he did this. And you're like, oh. <laughs> exactly. Um, next up is Bill Nigi living. Um, living is a adaption of Akira Kurosawa's Ikaru. And I liked it. I liked watching it. I know you haven't seen it yet, but it's a it's a good movie. It's um kind of slow, but it's good. And I see why he got nominated. And I low key kind of wish he would win, just because I'm like, yeah, Davy Jones wins his Oscar. Oh boy. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, let's see what else. I mean, yeah, we best have... best actress. 
We've uh, we talked about Kate Blanchett. I'm confused again. How, okay, so this is specifically where we you know we, I mentioned at the beginning how Den, Den, especially Daniel uh, Deadweiler for Till and Viola Davis should have been uh, for for Woman King should have been in here somewhere. Um, and specifically, if, I, I really think that Daniel Deadweiler could have won, and I would have put her above Anna de Armas for Blonde. Yeah. No. Okay. This is one of those things where like and Michelle Williams for The Fablemans. Fair. That's fair. Honestly, I keep forgetting who that is. <laughs> I think it's the mom. It's the mom. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I definitely would have put her before Michelle Williams. But um, Anna de Armas is such a weird choice because Blonde didn't get any other nominations. And I know that like Blonde is such a polarizing film, and I didn't like it at all. And I get why she's in the conversation. But I don't like that she's in the conversation because I'm just like I no. swear I've seen actresses do way better job in way better movies. And I hate that you're just like, here you go. But, you know, whatever. She she's she does good as Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> it just cra- just, uh, it cracks me up that if you're looking at the the um Rotten Tomatoes, I'm using their um Oscar sheet to look through this. And um <laughs> I don't know if it's for blonde and it has a rotten score for four, you know, the film has, you know, not a good score. All the rest of the films are like, yeah, really high score. 80, 90, like, 70, and yeah, it's so like, like 40%. forty percent. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Michelle Williams as the as the mom and Oh my god, the Fablemans. I don't see that doing anything. And then you have the one that I think is hilarious, not because it's I haven't seen the movie yet, but Andrea Riseborough as Leslie Rollins and to Leslie. And the amount of like confusion this caused in the Academy is a riot. Like where'd this film come from? It's so funny because I guess a bunch of actors like actors and actresses and directors and stuff were just screening this movie at their homes. For people, yeah. for members of the Academy, and then like it got nominated, and the Academy was just like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and I think that is so funny because this movie isn't nominated for anything else. I never even heard about this movie for the Oscar nominations came out, and then it's just like, "Who is this?" Exactly. <laughs> what yeah. is this movie? And I'm just like, I guess I'm gonna have to watch it, but I don't know anything about it. <laughs> no, same. But uh, yeah, so that that was that. Uh, we talked about best supporting actors with Barry Kogan and stuff. We haven't really discussed them, but I'm not going deep in. Best Supporting Actresses, Angela Bassett as Queen Ramonda and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I think, look, I like Angela Bassett. I'm not a fan of Wakanda Forever. But I like Angela Bassett, and I get why her performance is in here. But I will say that, oh, I think she deserves the nomination. I, I think out of she all. She definitely deserves it more than one other person on this list. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to say about Wakanda forever quick. I think when I first watched this film, I really liked it. And then you saw it and you didn't like it. And I was like, what? How do you not like it? And then I saw it like two more times. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I like this film as much anymore. <laughs> it's it's not that it's a bad movie. It's a good movie. It's just that it doesn't, it feels weird. It's in a weird place. And part of it is, you know, passing the torch of Black Panther. It feels very rushed, very strange. And they, I mean, they're forced to do that. Feel... They don't have a choice. Well, but it's just. I mean, they could have just not brought it up. But like, no, I'm saying they could have recast Shala, but yeah, but that's that's just that feels disrespectful. I mean, some people thought it did this disrespectful, but they didn't. I know. You know, it's just it's such a rough. I mean, I, I was cool with whatever they did because it's such a rough thing to think about. Because part of me is just like I want. That's not the point, though. I, I just think that I mean, I get to, I could talk about Black Panther. We could talk about that like for a whole episode, but um, yeah, well, but she, yeah she I do be... think she deserved a, a nomination for this. I think I think as far as like like performances go, she did really good. I I think she was okay. I think what they did with her character annoyed me, but you know we'll move on from there. No spoilers. Uh, we got Hong Xiao in The Whale. I love this actress, and you know what's funny enough? You know what? You know what other movie she was in? Huh? The Menu. Oh, I didn't remember that. <laughs> and you know what didn't get any nominations? The Menu. The Menu. <laughs> <laughs> I liked her in The Whale. I thought she was really good. I think she's. I mean, The Whale only has what four or five actors in it. But it's still such a good, such a good. She her role as Liz is just a great role friendship. <laughs> Me trying to remember the actors in the in the in the, the whale. I'm like, okay, so there's Brendan Fraser as the whale, and then there's there's, there's the Chuck. guy from who played in uh, Iron Man three. He plays the preach the preach preacher dude. Oh right, I forgot about that. And then I and was just the like daughter. the daughter, and then I was and just like, and then, and then I was like the Pete's man. And then... <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on, we have. Uh, best supporting actress for Carrie Condon in the Banshees of Nishirin. Who? Oh, the girl, the sister. Yeah, like I, I guess I don't know. I she's not the focus of the movie, and I think she did fine. But I just best supporting actress, I don't know. 
That just feels off to me. It just feel feels weird. It it's feels not because she did a bad job. She really did, did, she did good. A great I job. just it didn't stand out to me. No, not Barry, enough. like Barry Cogan, Brendan yeah. Gleeson. He's on this list. Colin right? Farrell. Yeah, he's best. He's best supporting actor. He stood out to me. Yeah, like they like she just. It feels just kind of like well, we nominated the other three. We gotta nominate her. And I mean, she's she's good, but like. I don't know. I feel like there's probably other people you could pick. I love how like all of you reacts with everything is like, well, he's one as well. I don't know. You give pat on their back. It wasn't that good, but <laughs> okay. So you want to know one that's really like just out of left field for me? Sure. Jamie Lee Curtis, everything, everywhere, all at once. I okay, don't okay. understand wait, 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 it. Wait, wait, I don't wait. get it. I gotta <laughs> confess something. Uh, you didn't know, did you? No, I gotta confess something. As, no, I knew. But I'm saying, as, as soon as Jamie Lee Curtis came up at, um, at the Oscars for everything, everywhere, all at once, my first reaction was like. Jamie Lee Curtis was in everything, everywhere, all at once. For real, though, we watched. Okay, so I watched the movie, and after the movie, I was on Letterbox, right? And I was like, kind of the cast. And I was like, Jamie Lee Curtis. I was like, she play? I know. <laughs> I totally did not know. Like just because I was expecting, like I, my idea of Jamie it's Lee that Curtis, short-haired from Freaky Friday type look, right? That's what I think of. Okay, Jamie Lee <laughs> Curtis is, is Halloween, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, that's what I think of. It's I just, think of Halloween. Her getting nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Everything Everywhere just feels so weird to me because I'm just like, I, her character didn't, like, it was a big part of the movie, but it wasn't, like, that big part, that when big you, of a part of the movie. When you said Freaky Friday, I had, like, a small panic attack that I just completely, like, <laughs> missed, like, actor and a person for the Halloween. And I was like, did I just, like, think she was with Halloween? And I, I first else? saw her in Freaky Friday, so she'll always be attached to my mind to that. You, you, honestly, I didn't even know that was her until you just told me right now. So, um, yeah, so Jamie Lee Curtis feels, out, feels kind of left field, out of left field for me. I don't, like, I just, once again, like Harry Condon, she's not terrible, but especially with Jamie Lee Curtis, you could have, there just had to be somebody else you could have picked, especially with the next actress nominated. Stephanie Sue from Everything Everywhere All at Once who played the daughter. Mm. Oh, you know, honestly, I can see that. Like that one makes so much more sense than Jamie Lee Curtis to me. If anybody, okay, so to me, out of the, out of those, it's either Angela Lassa or her or Stephanie Sue. Hey, uh, but Ste- probably it's probably gonna go Angela. Is it? Probably. I, so. I mean, she got the she got the uh, Golden Globe, so that makes sense. If you're replacing bets right now, that that is, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so there are a ton of other categories well, here. I think we should talk about some of the bigger ones, like animated. Oh, okay, that works. We're not, I'm not going to do like best original screenplay and stuff because that's just insane. But you know, a couple like international animated. Uh, so for best animated feature, there are five films nominated, and uh, there is a clear winner. We already know, but uh, we'll go through. Is it. there? You think so? A hundred percent. So first up is your favorite movie, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Okay, we didn't. It's not, but okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm, just, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to which one, which one you think is locked because I'm not sure. Oh, I know which one you. I know why you're having confusion. I'm not. Um, next up is directed by Dean Fleischer Camp. Marcel, the shell with shoes on. Marcel, I love. I know Marcel. you love that. That's why I was like, I know where your confusion's coming up, but you're wrong. It's an amazing movie. We have little Marcel figures and stuff. Like, we love it. But um, Marcel the Shell, so I actually am very happy they got nominated for the animated feature. I know it was up in the air for a while. People weren't people weren't sure if it was going to count. Yeah, because it's almost a probably live action. And then uh, I'm, I'm happy it did. It's a good movie. It's an emotional movie, and it could be thinking of my grandma, and it's cute. Next up is the one coming out in December that just, like, came out of everywhere, slapped everyone in the face, and was like, I'm the baddest movie this, this year has seen. Listen, Boots, the last wish. They did came out of nowhere. It, it just came out. It, like, it has no reason to be. It's just like, bah! And yeah, that was directed by Joel Crawford. Mm, and it is. it is amazing. And the death is scary, and the movie is fantastic, and I don't see it losing. You think Puss in Boots is going to win? I think Puss in Boots is going to win. What? No. I 100% think Puss in Boots is going to win. No. I, no. We'll see next month, but I feel like it's going to win. I'm so mad. Like, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> yeah, I can already see you, like, getting up being like, no! <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm going to do that, too. Okay, no, here's the thing. Okay, well, okay, obviously, the other two are C- The Sea Beast, which is a Netflix film. Which is film. fine. It's fine. And then Turning Red, which is really good. Which uh, is just, also just fine. I, I like Turning Red more than matter, but I, I like just... it more than Lightyear, but I don't know. Pixar was kind of weird this year. Like, I'd watch them, and I'd like them, but then I'd rewatch them and be like, eh. So... I don't even think Puss in Boots is... I think it's number three. I, I think it's... What you think is better than Puss in Boots? Pinocchio? I think a lot of people love Pinocchio. I know, but Puss in Boots is just amazing. I think it's fun, but I don't think... <laughs> I, I don't, Honestly, I, I don't know. It, it feels to me like there wasn't that many other... F- I say that, but then Lightyear was out too. Yeah. I like Lightyear. I know you um, 
I don't know, man. I think Marce- that's a move okay, to the lock. Marcel. I don't know, bro. Well, I, I'm, I'm going Marcel because it... This is going to be a very intense Oscars. You know that, right? You and I are just going to be sitting there like, come on. You're going to be like, this winner. And we're going to be like, told you. Or someone's going to be mad. Someone's going to throw something. It's going to be like Monopoly The night. only reason I see people not not nominating or not voting for Marcel is because they might be like, well, I know it's on the list, but it's not really animated. You know? I can see people like that going through somebody's head. I guess. I don't know. We'll have to see. But the Pinocchio, that just seems so like high level. Like I know, but Puss in Boots... <laughs> All as right, soon look, as I saw Puss in Boots, I was like, this is a lock. If Marcel like, doesn't win, then I, I would be happy with Puss in Boots, actually. Actually, I yeah, know I would. I would yeah. Okay, now m- moving on to the next category. This is Best International Feature Film. I think this is going to be our last one. And uh, we got five films. I don't know if you've seen anything but other than All Quiet. So. No, but I have heard of EO, and I've heard that's gotten a lot of really EO good reviews. Is, EO is very good. But so we got All Quiet on the Western Front, Germany. Which is an amazing war film and fantastic, and I love it. I got my best picture too. And we have Argentina, nineteen eighty five, which is a political movie that's actually pretty good. I enjoyed watching that one. It's on uh, Amazon. I think it's an Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, we got Close from Belgium. It's not even out in America yet. It doesn't come out until I think it just started showing today. Oh wow! But nowhere near us. So shame on you. Shame, shame. And we got EO from Poland, which is distributed by Janus Films, which is Criterion Collection's owner. Criterion. I'm just like, I need EO to the collection. Let me see that donkey again. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and then we got The Quiet Girl from Ireland, which is also really good. Mm. So, I mean, those are all pretty good. I think All Quiet Lock. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about that. You got the documentary stuff, short films, but nobody really cares about all that. I say that, but there's probably people out there like, no, documentaries are important. Well, here's my idea. I thought we could um, do another video where we go through each of the film, each each of these categories, and just and not necessarily break them down each one, but we actually like uh, just say which one we would vote for, and so that that's, way that's you know. A good idea. I, I need to wait. I have I have nine films left to watch, and then I'll be able to do that. I'm 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 not gonna watch every single film. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I can't. can't do that. I tried. I can barely watch one. I was. A week. I got. I got like. I think it was at sixty percent when the nominations came out. I was pretty proud. Now I'm at eighty. That's awesome. Because I have no life. <laughs> but no, no it's a no yeah. Oscars are a month away. A month away. We're almost there. It's man. It is actually kind of it's, this year. This is the most excited I've been for the Oscars since 2019s or 2020s. Right before Same. COVID came and screwed everything up. Because I'm actually on board for this one. Whichever <laughs> one that I was on. Well, I mean, last year's wasn't terrible. At least you know, we got the Will Smith slap. Do you think there's going to be a lot of Will Smith jokes at this Oscar? No, I don't think there's going to be one. I don't, I, I if think... there isn't one, I'm going to be so mad. I'm like, come you on. You know what? Actually, so they, easy. I don't think they're going <laughs> to mention him by name specifically, but I think they'll make some like reference about so They had to reference him. But anyway, so that is our podcast episode, I believe. Yeah, that is everything um, for today. Um, like I said, we talked about Malcolm X and Oscars. But, you know, let us know what you think about Malcolm X. Have let you us, seen it? Let us know about your thoughts on the Best Picture nominees. I, w- I would love to know what you guys think are going to win. Exactly. I would love to hear exactly. I'll, you know, whatever you think is going to win, put it in the comment section for any category. We'd love to hear it. Just let us know so we can discuss it. Exactly. I'll respond to you. You can write something mean. <laughs> you can write something mean to you. I'll respond to that. I'll, I'll be nice, but it's like... <laughs> I don't know. Like, okay, so people that are listening, if you don't know, we we post TikTok videos. Yeah. And I have been having a riot with like we we had a clip where it's we were talking about Pinocchio, and I deleted this comment, Mitchell. I don't I know. Oh, you no, don't I know don't know that. <laughs> but it was basically just a guy being like, "Loser, take." Thoughts on Pinocchio. Oh, I mean, that's okay. And I was just like, we're just going to delete that. <laughs> oh, I mean. No. And then I told you about because there's other comments. But that video got like a ton of views. It did. I mean. But yeah, I was so also just like, but apparently if we hate something, we get a lot of hits. <laughs> that's a, exactly. Um, I hate everything. I, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. But um, so actually, that's a good segue. If you want to catch everything, we, we t- our TikToks or, you know, Instagram, Twitter, wherever we're going to post something, um, you can see all of our content at Into the Filmverse. Um, or I think on Instagram it's into the filmverse productions. Oh yeah, we we uh, we're working on other stuff. We're slowly getting there. Exactly. Maybe we changed it too fast, um, but I think it's okay. But Bryce, if you want to talk about, uh, if you want to, if you want to get in touch with me, yeah, that's what can, I'm trying to say. <laughs> you can find me on Letterbox at Pain Reviews, P A Y N E Reviews. You can also find me on Twitter at Sand Green Films. 
right? I always ask you like it's not like it's not, <laughs> yeah, like it's right. not my account. That's you know? why I, you <laughs> I actually use Twitter more now, so I feel like I should know this, but I just don't. And um, uh, you find me on uh, YouTube at Pain Reviews too. Oh, look at that! I have a YouTube now. You hey, do. TikTok at Pain Reviews. Only only my Twitter's weird. Only my Twitter's weird. <laughs> it's because uh, that 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 username's taken. The how dare they? I don't know. They haven't used it since 2012. I don't like. I hate that. I'm just like delete the account. Delete <laughs> um, And you can find me anywhere and everywhere: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, Twitter. All again, um, Instagram, um, YouTube, and even um, my own website. Uh, just simply at Mitchell Chandler. And like Mitchell spelled with a Y. Being, and... Everything being unified. <laughs> everything being unified. <laughs> um, and Mitchell again is spelled M Y T C H E L. But also links in the description um, for everything. So. Thank you for listening. We've enjoyed talking to you about Malcolm X and the Oscars. And until next time, Excelsior! Excelsior.